You're listening to the Big Shiny Podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. The Big Shiny Robot Podcast is brought to you by the Bohemian Brewery. This is Nick. This is Lucas. This is John. This is Tom. This is Tyson. And you're listening to the Big Shiny Podcast. If you need a place to drink some good coffee and read comics, Watchtower Cafe is the place for you. The cool thing about Watchtower is it's not just a coffee shop with comic books. It's a great place that lets the geek community in Utah hang out and get together. Go check them out at 1588 South State and tell them Big Shiny Robot sent you. All right, for this week, a little different episode again. We've done, uh, this is Tom, Nick, John, and Tyson. Now we're going to do a This is Lucas episode. My wonderful girlfriend, Danielle, is going to ask me leading questions here and there. <laughs> we're uh, currently in the bedroom where I disappoint Danielle on a <laughs> semi-weekly basis. That's how you introduce this room to Rebecca, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she won't say that because it doesn't sound like I'm being original with my jokes. I never repeat my jokes. So, we're in the bedroom where I disappoint you on a regular basis. <laughs> what, uh, um, so I'm going to ask you, because you probably have a different perspective, but how would you consider the first of us meeting, how we got to know each other, and uh, all that other fun stuff? Sure. And then you can ask me leading questions from there. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I think we started, I mean, we, we bumped into each other a couple of times just because it's a really small community. So I knew who you were. Basically, I knew that your name was Lucas Ackley and that you really liked Ghostbusters. That's pretty common. And that, was, <laughs> that was the extent of my knowledge of you. Um, but I just started seeing some stuff go on and um, looked like you were having a pretty rough time and I just, it kept feeling like I needed to reach out and say something. And so I did. And then we just kind of kept talking and became friends from there. And then, I don't know, ended up here. In the bedroom. <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, it's been a very crazy couple of years that way. Mm -hmm. So did I get it right? Is there anything you would add or change? No. I mean, I think you and I were both going through some tough times and bonded over that. Um, much probably very similar to like John and I when John and I were getting to know each other because he had just kind of come out of doing going through some difficult things. I think you and I were in the thick of it in our own areas of life. That was at Night Flight, right? That you guys met? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about Night Flight? I know that that's been a big thing this year with it kind of closing and ending that chapter. Yeah, that sucked. Um, this year has been kind of crazy for that. Uh, so whereas the 2017, I've been trying to figure out my years encompassed in one little bite-sized chunk. Uh, so 2017 with my divorce and separation, all that other good stuff, I viewed as the the year of being like Bruce Lee and trying to be like water and take on whatever shape I needed to for the time being and try to be less rigid and controlling of my life. And so then 2018 this year has definitely been the year of grief and learning how to separate shame and guilt from that. And I've had to let go and say goodbye to a lot of things, things from my previous life, but then also uh, more substantial things. You know, my grandpa passed away and then the stuff with Night Flight was uh, tough. So they closed after being open, I think, 33 years is what 
Alan maybe had said. So night flight, I started working at night flight when I was 19, when it was at the Cottonwood Mall, on the upstairs of the Cottonwood Mall. It's very important uh, to any night flight veterans to disclose where it was in the mall because it was in three or four locations so yeah i worked there from 19 through college um had a lot of really cool experiences there and then i worked there part-time while i got a my first job as a graphic designer so i worked there for like seven or eight years and then i still would go in and help out up until they closed you know earlier this year in the fall so how did you end up there? Like, how did you start going to Night Flight? How did you start getting into comics and that kind of thing? So in uh, high school, I started reading comics. Um, I read a couple issues of the Straczynski run on Amazing Spider-Man, uh, where he fights Morlin, the one that I've uh, made you look at a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was the first stuff that really got me hooked because it was the first comics I'd read that I thought, oh, wow, this is kind of more adult um, which was cool. And I missed a couple of the issues because right in the middle of that, um, I don't remember, I think it was issue 36, somewhere in there is right after 9-11 had happened. And they did a, a one-off issue where Spider-Man is kind of coping and dealing with the 9-11, uh, which was difficult to track down. But there was that one and another issue I missed because I was just picking up at the grocery stores. So I'd called a couple different comic shops trying to track down the issues I was missing, um, which is always obnoxious for the comic shop. Having worked at a comic shop, some random person trying to find an issue four months old, especially Marvel, because they don't keep things in print. So anyhow, um, Night Flight ended up being the place that had it, and they were the nicest when I talked to them. And although they were the furthest away from where I lived because they had it and they were nice, I drove up there. I think with my dad uh, the first time I was maybe 15 or 16 and then Tyson and I started making regular visits up there for a while I'd go up on Saturdays when my buddy uh, Josh Stasinos was working so he uh, he kind of turned me on to a lot of the different independent comics and right around that time is when I broke up with my uh, my high school girlfriend and I had all this extra cash you know i had like 100 bucks a week so it was a lot of money so i'd go up every week and make josh talk me into buying something and so i'd blow a bunch of cash on comic books and then i started running out of cash because i um i'd been working at guitar center up through high school and then i quit so when all the savings kind of ran out and that extra cash ran out then i started bugging night flight to hire me and uh, josh actually vouched for me maybe he didn't uh, want anything to do with me <laughs> and josh was the one that told her that it was worth a, a try. And then one of the first, the very first Saturday I worked with Josh, that was the first thing he told me was don't fuck this up. Cause I vouched for you. And if you fuck this up, it's going to make me look line. bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I started working in night flight. So you worked at guitar center and then night flight. And those are like the two people places, the two places that I would have been terrified to work in high school. <laughs> Cause I grew up going and taking music lessons and playing guitar but I was way too scared to actually work there because I didn't know shit about gear and I was way too like worried to learn and then comics I always kind of thought were interesting but it, I just would look at it and it's like where where do you even start how who do you talk to like there was no comic shop in Morgan so I think it's interesting that you worked at the two places I probably would have been the most scared of <laughs> in high school they were pretty the comic shop wasn't too bad 
um, I always had good experiences at night flight. The guitar center was difficult to work at. I know a lot of people that worked there over the years that didn't work there when I did, but yeah, I don't know something about it. Cause I was in bands in high school and I played uh, guitar mm-hmm. and I thought it would be a cool place to work. It wasn't too far from my house. And I went to get a job there. Brian Clark was the manager when I was, I just turned 18 cause he had to be 18 to work there. And he told me he had no interest in hiring me. Um, the first time I met him, he's like, I'm not going to hire some 18 year old kid. I don't want anything to do with you. He was very positive influence in my life. <laughs> and then, uh, my mom knew him from they worked together in the mall when they were teenagers so she kind of gave him a hard time here and there but he still would he had no interest in hiring me and so i just made a habit of going in there every other day for like a month oh seriously i just kept going in and asking him if they'd had a position available and you know until he finally caved and told me i could have the worst job in existence which was the door greeter at guitar center which was awful why was that the worst it was just awful um so at the, they don't do it now, but at the time there's only one entrance. Well, there still is only one entrance in and out of guitar center, but there was just the one entrance. And if you came in with gear that you wanted to return or get restrung or worked on or anything is the greeter. It was your responsibility to, to take that and write it down on a log and write down the serial number and the person's name and all that other bullshit. And then when people were leaving the store, you were the last line of defense as far as theft was concerned. So, or for the employees who were mostly fucking stoners and potheads and all the other good stuff because there's just a bunch of band geeks you know mm-hmm. so you were basically the so, bouncer i yeah you'd have to check you're i was an 18 year old kid having to be like the the security of the store to an extent which was stupid and so when people would buy stuff you'd have to check their receipt and check all the shit and if it was everything was good then you'd stamp the receipt and you have to check the serial numbers on the guitars when they bought them. And if they didn't match up, then you'd have to call up the guy that sold it and have him come fix it. And then they'd get irritated at you. And um, it was, I don't know, that part of it kind of sucked. But I did a really good job at it. Um, that was my first big job. I'd worked at the high school before that doing uh, janitor stuff during the summer, which mostly entailed just fucking around all the time. That is, I have never heard that before. I did not know you ever worked at the high school doing th- janitorial stuff. I told you that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I did a lot of, that was, so at that time, um, I wanted to earn a little extra cash during the summer. It was between junior and senior year. And so um, my girlfriend and I at the time got a job together working the janitorial staff because I thought this is easy. I like I didn't even have to interview or send in a resume. I just was. You go down to the office. Hey, I want you know I want to work over the summer doing the shit job. And they're like, cool. Nobody else wants to do it. Sign you up. So I think I actually might have interviewed for that same job at my high school, and they were very intense. Oh, I really? sat down with two different janitors who started asking me about mixing chemicals and other cleaning <laughs> products, and I knew nothing. And they were like, this moron, (laughs) this moron thinks she can waltz in here. So I did not get that job. Oh, shit. No, they didn't. They were, it was very much like my favorite movie, Ghostbusters, where there's Mm -hmm. like, you want to show up and do this? Great. And the guy that was the manager or the whatever you call it, the guy that ran the crew, he used to work on oil refineries. Um, So this was something he was doing to make some cash, but it was not necessarily a trade of his. 
so he was somewhat jaded and he used to tell stories about the people that he'd work with on oil refineries that would die and just like life or death kind of shit and so when any drama would come up at the high school he was like this is all bullshit you guys are stupid you've never (laughs) seen what i've seen yeah you haven't seen what i've seen he was the same guy that uh so i worked there for a bit i don't recommend working with people you're in relationships with we worked with this jock guy uh that i i talked into putting uh you know those waxing machines that you hold the handlebars and you spin the one side like a throttle and it spins a big rotary blade. Yes. Because okay. we had to strip the wax off and then re-wax everything. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to him into putting on his football helmet and standing on it while like running the throttle. And I knew full well that it wasn't going to spin under him. It wasn't like a fucking hoverboard. He thought it would. And he just spun around, knocked the shit out of him. That was pretty cool. And then uh, another time we were cleaning up the home ec area and I um, was doing the floors and I found a couple of dead mice that were just like decomposing. Oh, gross. It was nasty. So I went and told that oil refinery guy, I was like, I, I'm not going to clean this up. This is, I just found this. This is gross. And he said, I don't care. Like, that's your job. You clean it up. <laughs> and I was, I knew my position similar to guitar. So I was like, no, I'm 17. And if you want me to stick around, I'm not cleaning this shit up. You can clean it up or I'm not coming tomorrow. I don't fucking care. So he begrudgingly cleaned it up. <laughs> I, did, I remember doing that at Jubilee Foods. My my oh, second yeah. job when I worked there in high school, it was the grocery store. What was your first job? The Mink Farm. Oh, I that's was, right. When I was eight. I love to say that really dramatically because people are like, oh, I started working on it. I was 15 and I always look at them. I'm like, I was eight fucking years old. I had a time card. Rat-faced mink. <laughs> Chasing me. Trying to bite my heels. But anyway, I remember pulling the same shit at Jubilee. Somebody had made a monstrous, horrible mess in the bathroom. And I was just like, no, nope. I, nothing is worth it to me to have to go clean that up. And it was really bratty of me. And sometimes I still feel bad. But You feel bad? I do. I feel bad about everything always. You know this. I don't feel bad about that. I've. It's one of the few times I've been able to tell my boss, like, no, you fucking do it. <laughs> Because now I'm like, no, I need to get that paycheck. Yeah, I'll go clean up the fucking dead rats. I will do need. whatever you need. We're, we're broken now. There's a rent and a mortgage and we food were... that needs to happen. I got all kinds of debt. I can't tell people to fuck off right now. We were so young and spunky. I know. I'm really glad I took advantage of it. <laughs> so at Guitar Center, I worked uh, the door greeter for six, well, it was about six months. And then Brian put me on the floor as a uh, sales guy. I was a very young sales guy on telling guitars and accessories didn't know what the fuck i was doing and i mostly gave away all of my commission so when it may be different now but when i worked at guitar center then you had you made a minimum wage if it was even minimum wage it was like six dollars and then you everything you sold had a margin of profit so say you sold a guitar for 300 bucks and it had a hundred dollars in profit there was a certain percentage of that that had to go against your hourly wage so after you earned your hourly wage of $6, then you got a cut of that as your commission check. It, it's very complicated. I'm sure I'm fucking it up. But as an 18-year-old, being told that I had to do all this shit to get an extra commission check when a couple hundred bucks in my pocket was totally cool. I didn't need the commission. I just gave everybody really, really good deals. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find out how much margin was in a guitar. And I'm like, holy shit, Like you buy this guitar, I can give you a free amplifier. <laughs> People liked me a lot. Yeah. My manager didn't, but the people did. I should have come and bought all of my guitars from you. I would have saved a lot of money. You should have. I remember 
It was cool in some cases. There was a guy that came in to buy a bass guitar around Christmas for his son, but they didn't. They were buying a bass and an amplifier, but they didn't realize all the other shit they needed, like a tuner and chords and mm-hmm. picks case and, and case. Yeah, and so I was able to throw all that stuff in, which I thought, like at the time, that was super cool. That's cool. But I like that you were using your sales position for good. You're finding those little kids wanted to play guitar and you were helping them out. It was half good and half irritating, Brian, because he knew my mom. <laughs> Seeing what you could get away with? Well, not even get away with, but I just liked fucking with him because he'd always sit me down because I knew that it, it, at first I was, I don't know how you were, but when I started, I was terrified having a job. My dad kind of made it this big deal that because you got paid for stuff, you know, you had to work your ass off and people were going to not deal with your bullshit. And then after I was working with all these chuckleheads that were drunk at work or stoned, and I started to realize pretty quick that I was one of Brian's better employees. It made it easier. Like the one time he came and sat me down, he's like, look, here's your review. And you should know that the customers really like you. And we get a lot of good reviews for that. And, you know, for your benefit, if you just did these things, you could make a commission paycheck. If you did this stuff and didn't give away so much of our money, <laughs> I remember like, oh, I don't, I don't worry about that. But that's why the customers love you. That was the Robin Hood of Guitar Center. Slinging picks <laughs> to everybody. Oh, time for another shot. Sure. There's your shot. Okay. We're doing a little liquid courage for Danielle. I don't. I talk 24-7 until I you know. put a microphone <laughs> Shut up <laughs> in front of me. All right. Okay. All right. Next question. Okay. So, Ghostbusters is what everybody knows about you, right? But I think you like at least three or four other things. Uh, Like franchises or movies or what are you talking about? In the world. So, you like Ghostbusters. You like Nintendo, specifically Zelda and Mario. Wow. You like Spider-Man. You've been paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. You like guitars, as we've touched on. And I think that's the end of the list. Of the things I like? Yeah. I mean, you're on there, too. Oh, right. Obviously. I'm number five. <laughs> number five. In the order of importance, yeah. Mm. Maybe flip it. So yeah, what do you want to start are... with? Oh, shit. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Ghostbusters, because I've seen kid... photos of you as a kid being a Ghostbuster. Um. Yeah, I mean, I always like... Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles were the two big franchises. Oh, shit. That's what I forgot. I knew I was forgetting one. Well, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles is the one I tend to play down a bit. As much as I like Ninja Turtles, right. it's a lot harder to be a fanatic about Ninja Turtles and still right. play it cool. I think one time we were out walking around and you kind of pointed to a guy wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt and you're like, see, that guy looks like a fucking idiot. That's why I don't <laughs> wear Ninja Turtles stuff. I, I don't know why, but yeah, it's something about the Ninja Turtle fandom. And maybe because it's such a, is it was made as a commercial for toys for children. That's not to say that the series doesn't have depth in all these other ways, but I have a harder time embracing things made for children as an adult, whereas Ghostbusters was adult made for adults that children then adopted, mm. um, which makes me sound super pretentious. The Ghostbusters I always liked growing up. I didn't ever really understand why. Something to do with, I thought the tech was cool and the car was cool. And then as I got older, there's this um, this guy, I think his name's um movie bob or something like that but he has a youtube channel and he does a series of 
reviews where he talks about old movies and if they're really that good and hold up and he talks about ghostbusters and one of the things that uh resonated with me as to why i must have liked it as much growing up is that kids grabbed hold of it because it was teaching them um to you know to face their fears and that not only to face your fears but to be intellectual and become you know to learn about things and grow past them um and then also the other dynamic not growing up religious in any way the idea of men making uh, the changing the course of history and deciding what their future holds rather than being victims of circumstance to some deities i i think resonated with me as a a little free agent <laughs> free agent. through adult, adulthood <laughs> hey, you still call yourself that uh, i'm still a free agent i haven't found a good deal yet <laughs> so ghostbusters you make all kinds of props like movie accurate crazy good props and you also own a car yes both of those are true i have a i've built two proton packs i'm on the i'm building the third one and it's all just chasing down accuracy it's no different than a car guy trying to build it to be the most accurate or classic or what have you and i built ghost traps and belt gizmos another one all kinds of little gadgets and i've always wanted the car and i got as close as i think i'm gonna get without completely breaking the bank over um one of those cars so the the car in the movie is a 1959 cadillac and the coach builder that turned it into a professional coach was miller meteor and the model of that was a future duplex and i have a 1960 miller meteor future future duplex so it's it's one year off it's as close as it gets without spending another 30 or forty thousand dollars for it being rusted out too so and it's an amazing condition it's all original mm-hmm. it's gorgeous mm-hmm. it's 22 and a half feet long and mm-hmm. three and a half tons uh, right? it's just three under tons? three tons yeah it is your big black johnson yes the funeral home was the johnson family I don't tell people that. I just tell them <laughs> that you have a big black Johnson and that you have won awards for it. Both are natural. Yeah, we won yep. an award at the car show this year. That's true. And then when I tell them that the Children's Justice Center is the one that gave you an award for your big black Johnson, that's my favorite part. Oh, you, sounds like you talk a lot about me and this big black Johnson. I try to. <laughs> Worst any, things can be said. Yeah. Any situation. That's what I'm trying to bring up. I'm just angling. Like, how could I bring this up? How could I talk about his Johnson? <laughs> That's the same thing I'm trying to do. Speaking of Johnsons, you met Steve Johnson. Oh, yeah. The Ghostbusters uh, special effects guy. Yes. I wanted to mention this because you got to show him um, some of the props that you built. You brought your ghost trap. Yeah, that was super cool. It was the, the screening of Brewbies. Yeah. So Steve Johnson, this huge Hollywood special effects guy. We refer to him as like the Tony Stark of special <laughs> effects. He has the same attitude and ego probably and just yeah. personality of Tony Stark. Um, we attended this screening with him and then afterwards Lucas and a couple other guys were hanging out with him and Lucas brought out his ghost trap and it was awesome to see this Hollywood guy freak out about how cool his ghost <laughs> trap was and the fact that it was actually smoking. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He was, he was very nice. Uh, I, I don't know that I could keep up with him because they invited us out to dinner after that, but I, don't, I think it would have gone south pretty quick. Yes. <laughs> but it was very cool to have him yeah, compliment me on that. And uh, we talked about the prop stuff quite a bit. He did a 
pretty much the majority of the big 80s and 90s special effects he was right in the center of it like we watched that frightener or what was it the fright night fright night he'd yeah. done the special effects for that mm-hmm. and little known fact the so he had the two phases he talked about of the library ghost. Yes. And the second phase of that is the vampire at the end of Fright Night. Right. Because it was, was it too much for Ghostbusters or they decided that the first stage that he had was enough? Yeah, because he'd worked on first and second and he hadn't quite finished the second. And he showed them the first one and they were like, perfect, great. That's what we need. And he's like, wait, <laughs> I've got more. And they said, nope, move on to the next thing. We're going to get Stay Puffs going. And that was a vampire that then was like on fire, right? Yeah, In when the, the sun hits it and it kind of transforms and explodes yeah that was crazy they changed it a little bit obviously for fright night yeah that movie was awesome i loved that so here's a question for you then sure before we talk about spider-man or any of that other cool stuff uh movies has always been a pretty big thing for me and as you've referred to yourself as kimmy schmidt uh, yes (laughs) it's been fun for me to get to introduce you to a lot of stuff and be introduced to a lot of things from you too. Um, Mostly chick flicks. Chick flicks. Uh, you had me read The Outsiders. and Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff that way. But what are, so we've watched a lot of new movies together. I don't know. What are some of the ones that stick out to you that you have liked the most? As far as movies you've shown me? Sure. Oh, shit. What have we watched? We watched Fright Night. We've watched Burn After Reading. All the Tarantino movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, I know. Inglorious Bastards. I had never seen a Tarantino movie before dating Lucas. Because like you said, I was basically Kimmy Schmidt, grew up in a bunker, missed everything. I had never seen Ghostbusters before dating That was our Lucas. first date. Yeah, we watched Ghostbusters. Um, so all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I just completely missed. But um, yeah, I had never seen a Tarantino. We watched Inglorious Bastards. I love any kind of World War II stuff. I love the very clear, like, good versus evil and people stepping in to do, to do the right thing. And then that entire movie was just telling stories of people who had no power taking the power from those who were holding it over them. And I right. loved that. I thought it was just really beautifully done and so perfect. So, yeah, I think that's my favorite. Out of all of them, the Inglorious Bastards? Maybe. Yeah, I really liked that one. And I like Melanie Laurent a lot. Um, yeah, I, I loved that movie. Yeah. Cool. That was my question. Yeah. I, my, I actually had a question for you because you talked about Ghost Trap. So what's next? I know you're going to do a proton pack again. You're doing a new one. Yeah. But what is a prop that you want to build that you've never built? Um, so most of the Ghostbuster stuff I've built, I haven't built a gigameter. I have the kit for it, but, um, it just, the, for a long time I wanted to build a Boba Fett costume um those are kind of expensive so i hadn't jumped into that yet uh, i always wanted a spider-man costume and then when you and i were first dating i did that that's true and then you had the butt that broke the internet <laughs> <laughs> apparently so uh, i didn't realize that before then you and Kim. appreciate it thank you yep and then so yeah i always want to do boba fett i looked into doing r2d2 for a while R2-D2 is a whole black hole. That's like 10 or 20 grand. You basically are building a robot. So it's not just with the proton pack. It's electronics and sound stuff. And you get into some of the different special effects with smoke if you want to. But um, yeah, you got to do a lot of robot stuff with R2. So I looked into that for a little while. I don't know that I'll ever do that. Uh, At some point, I'll build a lightsaber. I've bought some here and there. We built one uh, Mm -hmm. I bought for you. Yeah, Ray's lightsaber. 
Yeah, that one was pretty cool. I've, the technology has improved quite a bit since when I was first looking at them, and now you can get little sound chips with just crazy. You can do all kinds of stuff with them. So at some point, I'll probably build a lightsaber um, from scratch. I've, I was looking at doing the Luke's green lightsaber. There's three or four different versions in that one movie. So you have to then pick, mm-hmm. do you want to do a stunt? Is it the first stunt appearance? Is it the second? Is it the hero shot? So probably one of those. Yeah. You get so detailed into all of it. I think that's amazing. You have all this patience to find every tiny little thing and get it right. And I'm just kind of like, oh, it's cosplay. It's open interpretation. Sure, I'll be a lady <laughs> version of the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> your, your costume turned out great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The That was the big thing with... It was never a cosplay thing for me or really even doing it to show other people. Like Building a proton pack was just something that I was always like, I, I want to know how to do that. I want to build one of those. And then when you build it, you're like, well, shit. Because the, as the DVD releases came out and then the Blu-ray releases, people could look at that stuff. And then people go into Planet Hollywood and the internet and looking at things for scale or mm-hmm. finding what the real different parts and resistors were. It's gotten more and more accurate. I think it's probably peaked at this point. Um, but that's been part of it. It's just that Ark of the Covenant trying to get that to look just right for no one to care except for Colton or somebody. These are also movies that I watched with you. I'd seen them a little bit, some of them, when I was a kid. Indiana Jones. Yes, yeah. but getting to watch that trilogy... Oh, yeah, I love Indiana Jones. And then you hadn't seen the... Well, you'd probably seen it, but I don't know if you remember, but the Spider-Man movies, because Spider-Man 2 is still probably my favorite superhero movie. Yeah, we should talk about Spider-Man. Because you have a... You love Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a really important figure in your life. Something that you and I talk about a lot is the idea of these superheroes and comic book characters. It's totally just modern mythology, like these stories of, of good and evil and power so do you I, I want you to talk a bit about spider-man and kind of how you got into that and what he means to you um i guess i was pretty young and i we used to watch cartoons my brother and i here and there i remember the batman animated series being really cool but uh right around then you also had the x-men series come out and the spider-man and something with spider-man like most you know resonated and i'm sure being an average white dude having an average white dude superhero <laughs> was easy to relate to as a kid because he's very similar you know i'm as average as it gets 510 brown hair brown eyes and all that other good stuff so i think it was easier to get into and his rogue gallery was more interesting and um you get into some of the stuff with superman or batman it's they're interesting but they're almost these kind of caricatures you know like the mm-hmm. jokers kind of that's some of the struggle i think that warner brothers and dc has with the, their characters aren't quite as grounded so a villain like the joker or clayface or two-face um they're just almost hyperbole on what they are representing as a villain whereas spider-man was constantly having these conflicts that were much more human where you know like kirk connors is one of his professors and he has a wife and a kid so when he turns himself into the lizard trying mm-hmm. to grow his arm back it's a little more complicated because peter knows him and he knows he was trying to help himself right. out he's not and, just bad guy hurting people he's a complicated person who is trying to 
Exactly. Yeah. And if something, if Peter busts him and he goes to jail, it's not only affecting Kirk Connors, it affects his whole family. Right. Uh, so I always liked that weight that he carried. That's why this new movie handled it. Like it couldn't have been a more Peter Parker moment than the girl he's been crushing on the whole time that he's kind <laughs> of hung up his costume and decided he's okay to be a kid her dad turns out to be the villain that he's been chasing the whole movie mm-hmm. and the villain that tells him to stop and stay out of his way. And Peter has to choose. Do I stop this guy or do I go be a kid and hang out with this girl I've had a crush on whose dad is also a, you know, a villain at this point. Yeah. Plus all the, even the villains are a little more uh, human in what they're going through. The, his number one foe, you look at, Superman, his foe is Lex Luthor, who's this guy that runs all these different crazy big businesses and has these big schemes to try to stop him. And with uh, Batman, the Joker is this unknown that shows up here or there and creates chaos. And I believe now with DC, the Joker has actually been like three or four different people. Um, whereas like Peter's biggest enemy is his best friend's dad. Yeah. Has a lot of weight and complication emotion tied to it. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot more to... It's similar to like Star Wars. There's more to Darth and Darth Vader and Luke fighting because they're father and son than if it was just mm-hmm. a bad guy and good guy. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of rambled on. I don't think I answered any of your questions. No, but that's cool. I just wanted you to talk about Spider-Man. I love whenever you start talking about Peter Parker and, and that character. I think you always have such an interesting perspective. Because I always liked Spider-Man. I, hadn't, I didn't know as much and I hadn't considered all the stuff that you had, but... Once we started talking about it, you know, I, I, I see that side of the character and I think that's so cool. I appreciate that. And you look like Peter Parker. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the average white dude. With a super hot redheaded girlfriend. That's true. I do have a very <laughs> attractive redheaded girlfriend. <laughs> now, I've always liked uh, Peter Parker and the Spider-Man stuff. I think especially, like I mentioned earlier, trying to sort through shame and guilt and separating those things and responsibility and all that uh i think peter uh the older peter in the comic books as it is now he's kind of a good example of letting shame or guilt in an unhealthy way run mm-hmm. your life i think he mistakes uh the, the whole idea of great power and great responsibility he's actually swapping out responsibility and power for guilt and shame where he feels it necessary to be the one to stop things or be uh, in the middle of sacrificing his entire life to better other people when really he's hurting not only himself, he hurts other people because he's not his best self. Mm. So I think he ends up being a lesson the other way, not so much in what he's willing to do, but what he gives up on accident because of what he does. But I, I think he's a very interesting, complicated character. Yeah. But that's... Who's... You, I guess before we wrap all this up, because we've been going about a half hour, all that exciting information about me. Um, who's your favorite superhero? I already know this, but I'm asking you a question anyway. My favorite is Steve Rogers. I love Captain America. Well, and you've mentioned that you love the World War II era kind of stuff, which I'm sure yeah. kind of feeds into that. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I love Steve Rogers and, um, I, I mean... I'm not cool like you. I don't read all the different comics. I don't know all the background stuff. I'm mostly tuning in and seeing the movies. I've read a little bit, but, um, but I, I really love that he 
it wasn't just some big huge guy or some rich guy or some superhero you know crazy powers guy it was a regular guy that just cared a lot and had a really strong sense of the right thing to do and that mattered more to him than anything else you know so that scene like where he jumps on the grenade to save everybody like and he's this tiny little guy everybody else jumped out of the way and he jumped right into it I think that just kind of perfectly summarizes up why I love Steve Rogers is it's just the strength of his character and then all the muscles and stuff help him too. But <laughs> I think um, just the integrity of that person I, I really love. Yeah, the idea that made a, a good man great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've um, we talked a little bit about this as we've watched some of these movies again, but I've out of all the Marvel movies and the characters, I feel like Steve Rogers is the one that is always had the character he's he's there's never a character arc for steve he's like steady waters yeah he's always been true to himself and he's always been um you know that beacon that the he he does the right thing he's always done the right thing there's not room for him to you know what i mean there's not like where tony stark is trying to make amends for this past and right and make the world better place because he'd made it a bad place in a lot of ways where steve it's not so much him and his character arc as it is him reacting to the world changing around him yeah that's a great way to put it i that's i think why i love the civil war storyline so much um because i remember talking to people and people being really surprised that steve wasn't on the side of the government and like yeah of course there should be all of these laws about this of course we should be signing this thing but he wasn't, like, we call him Captain America, but the whole idea, I think, was more of doing the right thing. It wasn't just nationalism. It was right. this idea of America stands for what's right, this kind of old-timey idea now. But Well, that, you know, the, the doctor, I forget his name, that was doing the experiment that asked him, you know, so you want to go kill Nazis? Yeah, and he just says, I don't like bullies. Yeah. So that's, I think he's also a very strong character probably the strongest of the marvel characters maybe not always the most interesting i, I think he's a really great character i think mm-hmm. tony is interesting and in that he's so conflicted yeah the conflict yeah. in tony has been so interesting to watch and I, I, we've been going back and re-watching all of the mcu recently it's mm-hmm. been so many years since i saw the first iron man and i it's <laughs> been so long i honestly forgot like where Tony started and that every single one of these insane suits that there's now like 7 million of mm-hmm. he made and he figured it all out. And I loved going back and getting to watch that origin story and reminding me of like, Oh yeah, this is where this guy started. Holy shit. And he has gone through a lot. Yeah, and especially when you get past Avengers into Iron Man three, where a lot of the stuff he's building out of the anxiety to save mm-hmm. his friends that are heroes and you know, the world in general. Yeah. He's struggling. I think he has PTSD and all kinds of other stuff from everything he's seen. Mm-hmm. It's been fun rewatching all of these. I'm excited for all the stuff coming up. Like Black Panther, I think, is next. And then Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War will be pretty bonkers. Yeah, they both look really cool. So did you have any other amazing questions about the the most handsome member of the Big Shiny Robot podcast. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, that is correct. I have. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. We talked about like some of your jobs. We talked about Spider-Man and Ghostbusters a little bit. I don't know. I think it's tricky for me to be asking these questions because I feel like, oh, there's so much more to Lucas. Oh, one thing I could talk about. Oh. Your art. You've been doing that a lot more recently. Oh, yeah. So Lucas plays it down. He is really talented. Mm. Um at drawing and he does these comic strips and draws people and he's 
he's really, really good at capturing expressions and people being funny. Anyway, I love it. You're very you, sweet. You've been drawing more. Yes. I, uh, Bill and JJ talked me into, well, JJ talked me into buying an iPad Pro uh, to Bill's dismay. <laughs> and uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh, it's definitely simplified the process a lot and it's made it easier to collaborate with those dudes because I can draw something and just mm-hmm. send it off to them. So I've been trying to draw more and stick to that this next year. I want to try to draw a lot and start doing some strips and different things like that. Good. Yours, they're really funny. I was telling Lucas just the other day that I he made a card for somebody once <laughs> that I think perfectly encapsulates his sense of humor. It's So on the front, it has R2-D2 and a little speech bubble that just says like beep, boop, bop, beep sort of thing. <laughs> and then a little asterisk. And then you open the card and there's the definition of the asterisk. And it just says, I don't give a shit about your birthday. <laughs> and I think that is the funniest thing. And it is so exactly your sense of humor. I think R2 probably says a lot of terrible things. <laughs> probably does. We have no idea. We just think he's cute and adorable. And he's probably the most vulgar one of all. Yep, him and them porgs. I loved the porgs. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you interviewing me for this podcast. Yeah, it was fun. I love you very much. I'm I glad love... you're in my life. Oh, I love you too. So, Rebecca's going to barf right now. Should we keep talking about how much we love each other for uh, her sake? I don't give a shit what Rebecca thinks. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by the Bohemian Brewery, located at 94 East, Fort Union Boulevard in Midvale, Utah. Please make sure to like and rate us on iTunes. Be sure to check out our friends through being cool, and we'll catch you guys next week.